the sequel going? Sequel sucks. Bullshit generalization. Many sequels have surpassed their original. Oh, yeah? Name one. I'll be back. Why won't you die? Prime, you can't die. The reboot, damn it. Reboot complete. Thank you very much. Movies. Never say die. Hello and welcome to Movies Never Say Die, the podcast with a singular focus about movies that are reboots, reimaginings, or sequels to other films. I'm Justin St. Ange. And I'm Matthew Grant. This is episode number three. On this episode of Movies Never Say Die, we're taking a look at Dr. Seuss's The Grinch in theaters for the holiday season 2018. But first, as we always do here on Movies Never Say Die, here's a look at official announcements, rumors, and hearsay for upcoming reboots in our opening segment, In the Pipeline. We bring you this special radio-television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. Pipeline. Pipeline. All right, first up in the pipeline is new trailer. First trailer just dropped, Avengers 4, or should I say Avengers Endgame. It's very exciting stuff. We got the official title and trailer for the upcoming Avengers film. I know. It was... Uh, well, they reported that it was coming out that week, and you know, I was just like waiting for it. And then, <laughs> well, the best part is the obsessive, like looking back at their history. Like last year at this time, Avengers came out on this date, and then uh, Black Panther came out on this date. So then they were trying to figure out when Captain Marvel was coming out with its trailer, when Avengers was coming out with their trailer. It's like by this time last year, we had an Avengers, uh, you know, uh, Infinity War trailer, and so it should be out. It came out on a Thursday. It came out at 11 p.m. You know. And, People are analyzing it to death. Yeah. But they did say that actually, I think they had it planned for earlier in the week, but they postponed it because of uh, uh, George W.H. Bush's uh, oh, that's right. I death and funeral. Yep. Yeah, for a uh, sign of respect. But uh, yeah, eventually came out. And I mean, it's it looks amazing. Well, yeah, and it's, and it's like a real old school teaser. Like it's, you know, there's what a handful of scenes in the movie you only see the characters that were confirmed to be alive at the end of infinity war except for of course the end stinger with uh scott lang showing up at avengers headquarters and uh, i mean i i could not have been happy with it. i watched it like a dozen times in a row i watched it on my phone i watched it on the computer i watched it on my tv i was very excited about it oh yeah i saw it on the on my phone first and i couldn't wait to get home to watch it on a bigger, <laughs> on a bigger screen um but yeah with all the rumors on what may take place time travel and all that stuff it's interesting to see do we know are these the actual characters that we left at the end of or is this that's a good point or yeah. the clips of these in the past or you know quantum realm you know we're obviously not in the quantum realm but uh yeah there's so many different rumors flying around about how they're going to resolve various situations uh with different characters i mean they're saying some people you know if they died prior to the snap they're going to stay dead if they um, you know, depending on what happened. I mean, you, the teaser did a perfect job of going through. I mean, you never actually see Thanos. You see him just walking through the field. Very quick shot of him. That iconic shot right. of the Scarecrow, the scarecrow which was his, very uh, cool. His armor, yeah. Yep. Um, but I think, I mean, it was perfect. It, it gave, I think, uh, just the right amount of insight into what we're going to see, the kind of mood you're going to see in the movie. You know, you have little sprinkle of humor at the end which is nice it's not going to be a super heavy movie even though you're kind of expecting that based on the way the last one ended right um and yeah i thought it was very well done i thought the performances were spot on i thought robert Downey jr 
really sold in the beginning, just roping you right in with his uh, message to Pepper. And, um, yeah, I couldn't be happier. Very excited. Very, I, you know, I guess the title. What, what, what did you think of the title? Uh, I think it, it certainly fits. It, it's definitely, I mean, it's hard, it's, <laughs> it's hard for Endgame not to be in. We're going to see a resolution to this whole yeah. process. <laughs> that <makes sense. laughs> so that, that's, I think it was actually one of the uh, the rumored uh, titles. There were a couple being you know, thrown out. Oh, yeah, out everybody and, just pours through so it obsessively, so it yeah. makes sense. Yeah, very excited. Of course, we'll probably get a full-on trailer sometime between now and the, and the release date. But uh, it's a, I mean, it must be a challenging movie to try and market because you've got all these characters that are in theory, going to possibly show up in the movie either in the past or if they get brought back to life or whatever and you're trying to market a movie around a whole bunch of main characters that are dead or missing or whatever. And so it's it must be... I mean, I, I don't envy the people trying to <laughs> put them together to try and create these trailers for this film because it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, it never, I mean, all you got to do is put up the logo. People are going to want to go see it, but you still want to give people an idea of what they're going to see. And, and like I said, with the first one, I think perf- it was perfect for what it had to be a teaser just to announce a title and let you know it was coming up yeah in the past i think they literally had only teasers at first right there was like the we would get a short like the logo for the upcoming movie yeah. as, as the first pure teaser before we got anything like this and this is a, our first look at it it was pretty amazing it was cool to see um hawkeye as well since yeah i was very excited yeah like he was out of it entirely Ultron, so. yep. very cool Looking like uh, Ronan. I don't know if you know. The, I don't know what time. The only thing, I, the only stuff I know about him because I never delved into the comics very much. But I mean, uh, just what people have been saying online about the possibility of him moving into that character, which was you know, it was pretty cool to see. And as soon as I saw it, like even though I didn't necessarily know the character, I'm like, oh, I think he's, I think something happened to Clint <laughs> in that last movie that we didn't get to see. And so there's a lot of rumors about his family being. Uh, what do they call it? The decimation? Is that the idea? Uh, I think that's what they they said. I, the official term is the decimation, not the uh, the, the snapshot. Snap. They don't the, know why the, it happened. Snapshot, that'll work. But yes, very exciting. Speaking of trailers, I think um, we talked about this last week, so I figured we just dip into it really quickly. We uh, we got the first trailer for Godzilla: King of the Monsters. I don't know. Have you have you been keeping up with the social media campaign that they have going on? There's like not fully. I, they've had some like uh, secret, uh, yeah, like bases videos and stuff, and stuff yeah. like that for each uh, each monster. I think. Yeah, a friend of mine is a huge fan, and he keeps messaging me on Facebook, just sending me. You know, every time there's something new revealed, there's like different bases around the world that, in theory, contain the various characters, Mothra and everybody like that, and so. Um, I knew that some kind of trailer was imminent, and again, same thing with Avengers. This one does not disappoint at all. I mean, the creatures look phenomenal. The um, it had the right balance between humans versus monsters, and you def- definitely get an idea of what you're going to see. I mean, it's just I don't know how they could possibly top the like 15 different monsters, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, they had two, two right in the in the previous one, and uh, I guess they're just going to throw at least three or four more. Oh yeah. Even bigger ones in yeah. this one. But, uh, you know, I, I haven't watched, like, all. I mean, there are lots. So I have, since the beginning of Godzilla, there's, there's so many different oh, monsters. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's good to see that they got uh, a few of the really, really popular ones, the big names. Because the previous movie, I think those were totally different uh, monsters. I don't think those are original Godzilla monsters. I think that's correct. I don't know enough about all the movies. Like you said, there's a ton. But um, I don't think they were any of the classic. Especially, I mean, you look at... Um, 
you know, somebody like Mothra where, you know, it's all anybody's talking about just because that was one of the main villains that Godzilla was going to have to go up against sooner or later because, you know, the history that it has in the other films, it makes perfect sense to see him. And then it's just one after another. You just see all these different monsters. It was incredible. Yeah. It's interesting that they're throwing all these at Godzilla and then the next movie is supposed to be just him versus Kong. It's yeah, like, I don't understand like how that's like, down. you know. That makes no sense to me where it's Godzilla like, should be like, Oh, just a Kong. giant monkey? That's it? That's all? Uh, did you see who I just dispatched? <laughs> There's a three-headed dragon back there. <laughs> all three of those heads were breathing fire me. This guy, this is just a giant gorilla. <laughs> so, yeah, that should be interesting. Cool. What else we got in the pipeline here? Uh, well, coming out this coming week, uh, Once Upon a Deadpool. The, uh, not <laughs> the PG version of Deadpool 2 with some added... Uh, <laughs> with the stuff with uh, Fred Savage. Fred, Fred Savage. Uh, I mean, if the stuff with Brian. Fred Savage in the movie is half as funny as the stuff in the trailers, it's, you know, Which entirely worth hilarious. the price of admission just to see just it. Just to see it again, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen Deadpool 2 yet, but uh, I'm definitely going to check it out before seeing Once Upon. Yeah, I haven't had time to see the second one, and, and I think, I don't even know, I mean, I think there's like a 10-day window. It's out between like December 12th and December 24th. I have no idea if I'll be able to... <laughs> get out before then i mean I, I assume i'll just probably rent them both and watch them back to back maybe talk about it in an upcoming podcast so outside of that i mean especially something like this where they take a character who i mean the only real way you can do it justice is to have an r rating yes <laughs> then to all of a sudden drop it down to pg or pg 13 or whatever it is and you know i mean i don't know how the movie is going to be longer than 30 minutes yeah <laughs> I have no idea true it's kind of like when you watch uh, movies like that on on network TV, and they they have to not just the language, but you know all the stuff from the movie they have to cut out to make it easy for uh, you know for uh, network uh, broadcasting. It's like why bother even watching it? Well, then you go back like there was uh, I think the first Halloween. It was pretty legendary at the time that there was extra footage they shot because there was so much they had to cut out. And then you have commercials and everything, so they've got to fill that two-hour window that they actually shot extra footage just for the TV version. So if you get certain copies of the DVD, it says, like, includes bonus TV footage, whatever they shot, which is, you know, a little harder to come by these days, but it's it's a rarity, especially in this case. They're going to redo a whole movie around it, so it's, right. it should be interesting, especially a movie, like I said, that's just <laughs> entirely reliant on the R rating. It leans so hard into it. I mean, that's yeah, that's basically the character. You don't even lose it if it's not R rating. Yeah, so I'm hoping that uh, with Disney's purchase of, uh, they just get Fox, is that what they just bought? They got parts of Fox or something like that. Yeah, so it, it, at any rate, the uh, whoever now currently owns the film rights of Deadpool, the concern out there is that this is like the last R-rated Deadpool we're going to get. And then if the PG-13 one is successful, they're just going to neuter it, and that's yeah. all we're going to get from now on. So hopefully we'll see what happens. Yeah. Speaking about cutting stuff up, that Reminds me of something I wanted to mention about the Avengers trailer. Do you remember from the previous Avengers um, trailer? Uh, there was a scene in the trailer that didn't make it to the movie. The scene where they're all together and running through like the, oh, the jungles yeah, yeah, of Wakanda. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So some people are thinking, like, did they do this to us again? Like they created an entire scene just for the trailer. It wasn't yeah. like something they made for the movie and then cut out. They specifically made that for the trailer, and people have been have been saying maybe if they are they <laughs> are they trying to 
do the same Joke thing us again, again. Yeah. Well, I mean, is there a specific like clip they're talking about, or just the no? Same? But yeah, you, know, <laughs> you never know. I guess is what people are saying. Yeah. No, I mean these days, especially with how much secrecy is involved. I mean, it's you know, it must be tough to try and keep that kind of stuff under wraps, and so for them to come up with some scenes, especially for the trailer. I mean, obviously it helps to sell the movie. There's a really cool. I mean, because that was a really cool was a great scene when running yeah. through. And then it's just gone. Then, you know, that's interesting to all have to keep an eye out for that and see if everything's in the movie. Speaking of another uh, comic book, well, actually, I guess it's two comic book movie uh, coming out next year Dark Phoenix. I don't think we've touched on this in previous episodes before. I don't think we have either. No, we haven't talked much about the X Men series. I mean, I've I kind of lost touch with it after the first series of films. Like, I haven't seen any of the new ones with uh, the younger cast, and then they blend of the younger cast. I think I stopped after like X-Men 3 or something. I haven't gone beyond it. Like I've seen, okay. I saw Logan because I thought Logan was, oh, that was fantastic. a phenomenal standalone movie, but there's just, it's so deep now that I've got to have like, you know, <laughs> it's going to take a while. a serious binge to get, get through and see. Yeah, it's it's difficult. The last couple with uh, so much time travel going on between all yeah. of them, it's uh, it's been kind of convoluted, but but still still cool and Dark Phoenix, one of the most iconic uh, X-Men storylines, uh, which they kind of messed up or <laughs> yeah, earlier. Yeah, didn't, didn't they try and do it with That uh, was X-Men her, 3. They kind of like shoved okay. it in there that uh, it didn't really get what it deserved. I never understand that. Like, they take something like that that's, you know, I mean, even even me, like, I've never been a huge comic book reader. Even somebody like myself, I'm aware of what a huge comic book storyline that was and what a big deal it was to fans of the X-Men. And then for them to just kind of shoehorn it in, you know, oh, by the way, here's Dark Phoenix. It's just, I mean, why wouldn't you do it the right way instead of pissing off all your fans? It makes no sense to me. Yeah, but uh, we'll see. They're, they're taking another another crack at it. I think the director of this one was actually the writer of that X-Men 3. So oh, he's, really? He, yeah, so he's taking on the Dark Phoenix story again, <laughs> but hopefully <laughs> to try and do it right this time, supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. I, I swear yeah. I'll do it right this time. But it brings up, uh, you know, since all these comic book characters, like you said, Marvel buying Fox, they're all going to be in the same, at least under the same roof now. Yeah. I'm actually not one that really wants the Avengers and the X-Men to kind of cross paths, at least not too much. There's there's really just too many characters and obviously so many possibilities yeah. in the comics, you know, do this. But uh, I would really prefer just a really good X-Men series of movies and a re- really good Avengers, which we already have, but, you know continuation maybe some crossover but i i don't want to see like the full x-men and the full avengers in some movie down the line it it seems ridiculous well it's too much i mean they've they've done a really good job of balancing out the avengers with spider-man for example it's one character i mean if you get the x-men to i mean how many x-men are there i mean are you going to focus on like the three main most i mean is it like professor x wolverine and Mm -hmm. uh magneto yeah and that's it or like are you going to have the entire crew of uh, Dr. Xavier's, you know, school. I mean, there's yeah. such a, I mean, we're going to have a hundred characters each. I mean, as it is, you and I talked about this in the last episode, I think, uh, you know, them going through and figuring out just how much screen time all the Avengers had in Infinity War. And even Robert Downey Jr., he had like the most screen time, quote unquote, but he was still in it for like 19 minutes right. or something out of a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. But just the way they did it, they did such a good job spreading it out and you know you still kind of felt his presence even when he wasn't in certain scenes absolutely but in this case you really have to have somebody with a steady hand for ensemble pieces to pull that off and i think you're right i think that they you know i would like them to 
continue making good X-Men movies, and I have high hopes for Dark Phoenix because I like uh, the actress that's playing Jean right now, but, you know, I don't need to have a, <laughs> a six-hour comic book movie with 150 characters. I'm all Yeah, there, there will be so many cool characters, maybe not A-list characters, but so many cool characters that would just kind of get swept aside that they could, you know, make their own... Uh, maybe not a whole movie, but a whole storyline, it would be much better than shoehorning everybody into one big, gigantic MCU. I mean, that's usually when people get most excited is when you start mentioning somebody else, like when Quicksilver started showing up and, you know, something a little bit different. So high hopes for Dark Phoenix. It's all about hope. This whole podcast is about hope. (laughs) Gotta have hope. You want to, uh, you you would know more about this than me, Uh, Pet Cemetery 2. Yes, yeah, Pet Cemetery. Um, well, I guess, I guess it's. Uh, I don't think it's. I guess it is actually a reboot. It's not a sequel, so it is just going by Pet Cemetery. I was. I, I wrote that down incorrectly. Oh, okay. So, the, um, so they are just, and they're going back to the book, which making me look bad. Man, I said Pet Cemetery. That's too. why I did that. I wrote it down that way just to sell you out. And now, it's a solo podcast. Click. <laughs> um. No, Pet Cemetery is actually one of my favorite Stevie King books. Uh, I read it when I was really young. It terrified me. It uh, When the movie came out, the movie was terrifying. But this is one of those cases where the source material is still strong. The movie came out in the late 80s. You know, Special effects are better. Actors are different. Um, they just released a trailer for it, which is pretty exciting. And again, it's not like a specific remake of the movie. They're going back to the book, delving a little bit more into certain aspects of the book they maybe didn't deal with in the first film. Um, there's a new poster out, which is, you know, a pretty simple poster, but still kind of effective, which is just the monochromatic image of the father in the, bo- in the book and now the movie. I think he's walking with a shovel, and so, you I mean, you kind of get the idea of, you right. know, it's very foreboding. <laughs> um, but the trailer itself, I was excited about the trailer. I think that the people they've cast look pretty accurate in regards to the descriptions in the book. I, <laughs> I was talking to you earlier about this. Is I love John Lithgow. I'm a big fan of stuff that he's done. I, I thought he was phenomenal in Dexter. I mean, he was great. He's very versatile. He's great in movies, you know, Third Rock. I'm just not buying him as Judd Crandall at all. Maybe <laughs> okay. just because Fred Gwynn was such a large presence and he pulled it off so well. But I just, like, I watch a trailer and I mean, maybe just the expectations of Fred Gwynn being in the original and just being so good. But, like, it just pulled me, like, it, was, it just pulled me out of the trailer. <laughs> I was so excited about it that they did such a good job with it. And then he shows up and I'm like, no, that's that's not right. <laughs> I guess that's the problem that uh, sequels and reboots run into, right? If, uh, if, if someone so, plays the role so well and so iconically, you know, yeah. you, gotta, you gotta feel big shoes for, especially if you got a, uh, a fan base that's paying attention to stuff like that. Yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, being a fan of horror movies for as long as I have, I mean, people really kind of put that up there as a, as a marker for somebody who really sold a character that was adapted from a novel as well as he did. And he was just generally good. Like he just, I mean, <laughs> he did, he did not look like he was an actor playing a role. He looked like a guy from Maine that they <laughs> snatched off the street and stuck in front of this house. And he was just, he just, it was just very lived in and it was very well done. And again, like, I mean, I'm not, you know, it was eight seconds and this, you know, quick trailer they put out, but you know, I mean, again, the vibe of the trailer I thought was really good. It was, uh, it felt modern, but yet it's still retained. I mean, it's a pretty old Stephen King book that he wrote in the early 80s, and it still feels creepy and terrifying and all that, but it feels like it. they've updated it in a way that I think will work out. I'd say give John Lithgow a, 
Give him a chance, Matt. All right. He's a what, Emmy or Golden Globe? He's he, one for, for, for playing Winston Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> he's like six and a half feet tall, and he's playing Winston Churchill. All right. I guess uh, I guess I'll allow it. I'll give him a shot. All right, what else are we going to finish up here? Uh, you want to dip into Tremor 7 a little bit here? We just heard. I think this is just like brand new in the this last is, couple days. Yeah, I think uh, maybe on his Facebook page I saw or – it's been reported that uh, Michael Gross saying he's that's it. He signed on for Tremor Seven. Can't believe they're up to seven. I've I saw the first one. I didn't even know there was five more. So I mean, I knew there were sequels, but uh, as most horror movies definitely go down oh, to yeah. the sequels. Um, but Seven is crazy. I, I think there's. I've passed by one on Netflix. It was either five or six. I think they all have Michael Gross in them. <laughs> he's the this one is, constant. He's the one keeping it alive. But uh, it almost looks futuristic, so I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Tremors in space. <laughs> and was I mean, Ke- that's was a Kevin Bacon movie. in the first one? Or yeah, no? Kevin yeah. Bacon, absolutely. That was a great movie. It was good. Like I said, I saw the first one, and then I knew there was more, but I just don't <laughs> didn't think I, I don't even think I knew I, they were cranking them out quite as quick as they were. Or maybe they'll reboot it. That's amazing. They haven't rebooted that's it. That's actually a good point. They've, that, kept, they've kept it going, but they haven't rebooted it. Yeah, they didn't mention this. Is, I mean, Michael Gross is in it. I mean, you know, you got a movie like uh, we were talking about Child's Play last week, too, where there's a whole bunch of them and they're starting a reboot. Um, the Hellraiser movies, there's a whole bunch, and then they did a reboot. I think they did the reboot for the Hellraiser movie, so they didn't lose the rights. It's one of those situations where they... Yeah, studios do that, too. That, it's like, well, I guess we have to make a movie <laughs> just so we don't lose the rights. <laughs> But seven is pretty. Yeah, for them to actually not be like, we're just starting this over. For them to actually just say it's the seventh of this series is going to be interesting. I'd be curious to know what the the most numbers of sequels the franchise has made. Seven seems like a lot. Oh, that's a good point. I know. Let's see. Friday the Thirteenth has like true sequels. Like I don't know. Friday the Thirteenth had like eight, and then like they started getting to like you know Jason goes to hell and Jason X or whatever. Freddy. Yeah. God, I don't even know. We should look that up for next yeah, time to see what, which has the most sequels. Before we end this segment, let's just uh, we talked about Men in Black previously, but I think after our last episode, they officially announced the title, which will be Men in Black International. That's right. Yeah, very interesting. So, so I assume uh, Tessa Thompson and uh, well, at least Chris Hemsworth, maybe he'll he'll not be doing his American accent in this one. <laughs> Who knows? To me, that means it's a. It's a different, you know, like a different branch of the service, right? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So, but uh, but who knows? It's it's supposed to be a total reboot. Yeah, I was just gonna ask if you if you knew anybody who's coming back, like Rip Torn or anybody, or if it was just straight up. I've I've read that. Oh, what is her name? Emma Thompson. Oh, really? Is coming back. Oh, like so that... she she replaced Rip Torn, I believe, as the the head, right? At, b- before she... the end of oh, the last one. I never ones. saw. What was I? I? Never saw three. I never saw the last one where they went back and Josh Brolin Josh played uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Old or sorry, old old Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> old Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Lee Jones plays old Tommy Lee Jones, but uh, yeah, young Tommy Lee Jones. I think so. I believe that's why Emma Thompson becomes the the head of the service. Okay. Didn't know that. But it's not supposed to be a reboot, a reboot at all. I mean, I'm sorry. It's not supposed to be a sequel. It's supposed to be a reboot. So if she's huh. playing the same person, she's the only one returning. What's well, a nice way to do, you know, a little connective tissue? I mean, that's a smart way to do it if they're going to do that. So I think that is, I believe that's it for us in this week's episode of In the Pipeline. You're a mean one, mister. I'm 
going to steal their Christmas. You really are a heel. Behold, if I'm going to become Santa, then I need to get into character. It's go time. Your monster. Your heart's an empty heart. Now we'll be riding in style. All right, that brings us to our main event today, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, another retelling of the classic Dr. Seuss story. <laughs> it's like a 12-page story for, you know. Yeah, I keep forgetting that the the original animated one was like a TV special that was like 20, 30 minutes long. You think yeah, it's a that, whole movie, but it's actually not no, because, like you said, it's a short story. Yeah, that's it. Like, I, ha- I have the book at home. It's the, the book is basically like a storyboard for the original cartoon and you know it's it's very very brief i mean this kind of it was tricky because i didn't i didn't know how i felt about even doing this but then i remembered that we had that jim carrey version years back which my son loves oh wow except it's a horrible movie i mean i didn't see it i never (laughs) don't yeah do it i don't want to it does look i've seen pieces of it. i've never seen the whole thing but there's like like it turns out he's the grinch because i think he like had to shave his whole body because he's you know got the Grinch hair and it's like he shaved before all the other kids and they made fun of him and he was bullied and that's how he became the Grinch. It was very weird, very oh, strange. Interesting. And there's like a love triangle between the mayor and like another who played by Christine Baranski and the Grinch. It was awful. It was oh, awful. That sounds really bad. I mean, like I could see why you'd think to do that because you know Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey and I can't remember if the Mike Myers Cat in the Hat had come out before or after that but it's like you know two comedians I think after but yeah both kind of you know over the top rubber faced and you know let's turn them into these iconic cartoons but it was just it was so I mean and it was long too it was like an hour and 45 minutes and it was just so much garbage it was so it was not good (laughs) I would think it would be better just to have those actors voice a role for an animated version uh i was watching you know this current one i'm thinking i was thinking thinking about the jim carrey one and you know around this time of year we have you know it's on tv and stuff like that it it just looks horrible like (laughs) i don't think dr seuss characters and stories translate very well to live quote-unquote live action no i can't i mean it, it didn't it didn't at all like it was just weird like all the who's had this these bad prosthetics and it was just it was so just weird like you're just watching it you just feel you're just like uh, it's just unenjoyable like i said my kid loves it like he'll watch it I'm like dad dr seuss grinch is on i'm like nah let's put the 22 minute old tiny one <laughs> in and i'll watch that a hundred times i love the old one i love the cartoon oh, yeah. but classic um but so yeah so i was kind of i think this is the same company that did horton hears a who a few years ago and i thought that was pretty successful and so um yeah didn't you know, see that either but also just animated right and the lorax i believe they also did that that's right they did do the lorax i think it's animated and again the lorax (laughs) the the lorax's version of the uh like their cartoon version is this like bizarro 1970s version with all these like super hippie songs in it and stuff which is kind of fun (laughs) um but then i think the new one was it danny devito that played i think he was the voice of lorax Yeah. yeah so yes i mean that and like that makes sense like you find some good voice actors animate it you know with modern animation techniques and you know blow up the story so it doesn't bit. look scary it looks so bad <laughs> <laughs> it's not supposed to well, i guess he's supposed to be scary but not that scary not scary to us it's supposed to be scary to the, the who's the who's Ugh, 
gross. Did you watch this one with your? I did. I took. Kids? I took two out of three kids. I took the oldest, uh, my son, and then uh, my daughter. the The youngest declined politely. Said, "I don't want to." I don't know, I'll stay home and I'm going to do something at home. So I took the two of them. They loved it. I mean, I thought it was the perfect balance of, you know, there was enough slapstick for them to, you know, a lot of goofy stuff. A lot of, <laughs> I loved, who was it? Was it Kenan Thompson that played his neighbor, I think? Or, yeah, his, you know, the guy. Or like the, the guy that thought he was yeah, his best friend, was, whatever. Yeah. I didn't realize it was, I, I was listening to the voice. I was like, that voice sounds so familiar. And I, I just put it together like halfway through the movie. Like, oh, yeah, it was Jeremy Thompson. Nuts. Yeah. I, I didn't figure it out until the credits. Like, I had to sit there and watch the credits to figure out something was so funny. And it was just, and like, you know, they enjoyed the storyline and they enjoyed, um, you know, because all the themes are still there, all the themes of, you know, being able to have a Christmas without presents and that's not right. what matters and it was heartwarming and all that. But then it was just goofy enough and, you know, but it wasn't like, <laughs> I keep going back, it's half this episode is just going to be bashing the Jim Carrey Grinch. <laughs> that's um, fine. But yeah, it's just, it, it did all the things in, in expanding it to be 90 minutes. I think it did all the things that the Jim Carrey version couldn't do, which, you know, I think it's a testament to both the filmmakers and the fact that, you know, like you said, right. that Dr. Seuss just doesn't translate to live action very well. Yeah. You know, I think that they, they certainly did the resource material proud, I think, in expanding but not making it seem like it's not Dr. Seuss. Well, plus, I mean, they were able to take time with it. Like, they, you know, you've got that whole opening scene where they came up with him having to go into town to get food. Like, he tried to plan yeah. his whole life around the fact that he, <laughs> you know, was trying to avoid going down there during, during Christmas. During Christmas season, yeah. And then emotional eating, which I thought was hilarious, led that to was great, yeah. him having to go into town. But it was, but they were able to take their time with kind of, you know, you were kind of able to take in this, you know, I thought very Seuss-like world that they created in the movie and like, you know, different, you know, cops driving around like Seuss-like vehicles and right. things like that. And they, animals, you know, I think, walking yeah, around. Yeah, there was a bunch of weirdo Dr. Seuss animals walking around. Yes, I judge them. They're weird. <laughs> <laughs> but that was pretty cool. He doesn't, in the... Obviously, I don't know about the Jim Carrey version, but in the in the original one, he doesn't go down to the village until he's he goes to steal their Christmas, right? No, he doesn't. He never goes down. In the original book, it's just like him just standing. They don't know the each other, right? No, um, I think they do know him. I think the idea, like, I don't think they have a relationship like they do in this movie, but I think they're like aware of each other because he lives. They know up there. he's the guy in the mountain. Yeah, I think that's about it, and he obviously knows about them. But I don't think it's a case of like it was where you know they come down. Oh, hello, Mister Grinch. Like there was in the book. It's very simple. In the book, it's like right. he's in the cave. He looks down. He hates he them. He's going to steal Christmas, and that's. I mean, it's very. I mean, I love it. The book is great too. The book is very yeah. simple, and I th think the original cartoon just uses the dialogue from the book. And I so think so. Yeah. You know, blown up to twenty-two minutes or whatever. But like, there's there's no embellishments in the original. It's really just what happens happens. Whereas you know, in this one, they blew it up to like you know an hour yeah, twenty, an hour, hour and thirty half, minutes, like whatever. That. Yeah. But done very well. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was it was it was really good. There was, I was wondering. There was one part where he's. Uh, I'm curious. Maybe your your kids are the kids in the theater with me. <laughs> Whether they when he's playing the organ. Do you know? Did you recognize the song that he's playing? He's playing all by myself. Oh, was he? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm wondering if that's 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 thrown in there for the non kids in the audience. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's a good point, and I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I think there was, I think they did a pretty good job of tucking in stuff for the grown ups and he's up there just being weird and playing stuff like that. And yeah. uh, Cause yeah. sometimes in these, these PG movies and animated movies, I feel like they throw in things for adults that are just a little bit too much. Like, is it too much of like a, like they throw in double entendres or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, maybe the kids won't get it and the adults will, but maybe that doesn't need to be in The Grinch. And I don't, and they didn't do that for this one, I don't think. No, I don't think there was anything like that. I mean, I think I think that's actually a very good point. Like, they, they did include stuff that grown-ups would enjoy, but, you know, also the, um, the age range for grown-ups are people that were kids when the original one came out and so they were very True. smart in just saying you know that worked you know uh, people our age have this emotional connection and have this um awareness of what the original one was why not you know why mess with it outside of making it fresh and kind of like you know that yeah, uh, what it, was it the uh, it the one the one reindeer they found like that one reindeer wasn't like that really like massive reindeer oh. with the goofy hair. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't in the original book. Like that was that was all new stuff, and so you know. Oh, I forget his name, but yeah, that was good. His and his family. Oh <laughs> his yeah, little reindeer family. <laughs> they show up at the end and take him away. Uh, yeah, that's cute. And I also thought, I mean, I think that I think the voice actors did a good job, and we talked about Keen Thomas already, but I I couldn't remember for the life of me while I was watching it. I knew that the person who was the Grinch was somebody, but I didn't know. Oh who the hell he was and I had to look him up afterwards but I mean Benedict Cumberbatch was perfect for this role yeah I knew it was him going in but uh, I guess some you, you can sort of tell some places where it's it, it sounds like him but I think he did a really good job yeah he's he's got a pretty amazing range yeah no he's great and I mean what I thought was interesting with this version too is that his like you know he was obviously the Grinch and he was obviously mean but he had these weird little flashes of not being horrible especially when it came to like his dog like he you can tell that he had this you know loving relationship with this you know with his dog max Absolutely. that you you know that you didn't necessarily see it. in the old in the cartoon it was just he was horrible to his dog was just there his dog was all happy yeah. and um i mean he was his servant that's true also, yeah. bringing him coffee in the morning yeah that's but, right yeah i forgot about that uh, it's nice latte art but uh that's right. I, I think so time. yeah i can't <laughs> But, um, but yeah, that was good. It, it, you know, rather than just some one-dimensional character in a you know twelve-page book, so they 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 fleshed it out and it worked pretty well. Yeah, they, I mean, anything that they expanded on, like I said, it felt natural. It felt like a a perfect extension of the book, as opposed to shoehorning something in. <laughs> just love triangle. Why would there be a love triangle in <laughs> yeah, a Doctor Seuss that. movie? It's just. It's just so bizarre, and so it's like you know, they you know, and even even the little stuff like just like you know the stuff about the um, Cindy Lou whose mom being like the single mom, and the little extraneous stuff with Cindy Lou and her friends coming together to try and capture yeah, Santa. Santa, Santa, Santa and, like, and again, that's none of that's in the original. That's just a wholly created thing for this. But again, I thought they did a good job with them having this weird little side adventure that then makes a little bit more sense where she runs into him in the house and yeah. interacts with him. I totally agree. I think in the first, in the first, in the original, that's maybe the first house that he goes into with Cindy Lou and, and then he, t- you know, he gets her some milk or something that's and right, tells yeah. her to go to sleep and then he continues to, you know, rob the entire village and 
And this one, she was the last one, I think. I think you're right. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. They switched that up. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I agree. The the storyline that she's she's trying to stay up and uh, or not stay up, but try to capture uh, Santa when he's there. Yeah, and she sets that whole trap, and so that's how he ends up. There. And like, I, I love the fact that the, he just he, part of his whole uh, lecture to Max was like, you know. And I think the reindeer too was like, don't don't touch the cookies. We don't have time for the cookies. Don't go near it. And it was that one cookie that was baited as a, as part of the <laughs> trap that he just went. He's like, ah, I'm at the last house. I got time. Right. And it just snagged him. It was good. Very well done. And I said, you know, I mean, I, I also thought it was a sweet movie. Like at the end, I thought that, you know, I thought it was funny how he switched it up a little because in the cartoon, he comes racing down the sleigh and he goes into the big opening of people and he's like immediately heralded as a hero and he's just like you know oh, right, they, right. he's got this you know he brings all this stuff back and everybody just ignores the fact that he completely pilfered their entire Christmas and they're just like come to dinner it's right. totally fine and they sing and it's great whereas in this one there was a little bit more nuance where he comes in and he's all excited and then it was a funny moment where they're all like um, what are you doing and then he's like oh uh, hi um, and then he Gives his great heartfelt apology. Yeah, he owns up to it. Yep. Skulks back off to the cave, and then, you know, there's a little bit more meat on the bones of them having to come, you know, say, well, that was pretty lousy what you did, but, you know, you've been alone for too long, and they invite him to Christmas. And, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a lot of sweet moments I thought was uh, they did a good job with, too. Going back to voice actors for a second, uh, I thought the, I thought the narration by Pharrell Williams was an interesting choice. Considering the yeah. fact that, like in the original, it was was it uh, Boris Karloff, I think, who did the or no, somebody like that. I think so. I think that's right. Somebody very dark and creepy, and you know, it's very well known. You know, even when you hear the Christmas songs on the radio, you hear yeah. that version of the Grinch. They usually keep his narration, and then for the Jim Carrey version, I think it was Anthony Hopkins, and again, oh, really? it was very like heavy, and it was very Anthony Hopkinsy, and and then you got Pharrell Williams. It just it's just very smooth. It's very you know, I mean, he was good. He was it just it was definitely a different touch than we're used to which was which was interesting an interesting choice yeah i couldn't place actually his voice uh i could at, at all until the credits yeah I was no, like, who, who was yeah. that who's the narrator and then that, yeah that was a good surprise yeah but i had to look it up too um i don't know if he did anything with the soundtrack but they they did kind of almost they updated the song a little bit through parts of it they didn't really have like the whole oh, that's you know, right the song. that's right yeah but it was it was almost like a, a hip-hop version um, I don't think it, oh you know what I don't think it was him so I think he narrated it and I think I think someone else did the song was it t Tyler the Creator I think I think that's so right I think I saw yeah that's that right Tyler the Creator wrote the film uh, I Am the Grinch that's what it was and so <laughs> speaking of music halfway through the film I was like whoever did the music like the score for I'm like whoever did this is blatantly ripping off Danny Elfman like this sounds like the worst Edward Scissorhands rip because I mean I'm a huge Danny Elfman fan yeah and I heard it I'm like this sounds like the lamest rip off of Danny Elfman and spoiler alert audience this was scored by Danny Elfman absolutely <laughs> you're correct <laughs> oh that's hilarious yeah I really did like halfway through like I heard the quote, like, little la 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 and I'm like oh that sounds like Danny Elfman they're just ripping off and like he is known for going after people who because like there's like a jewelry commercial that blatantly ripped off the Edward Scissorhands theme music and he like went after okay. and sued him or whatever and so he's known for being very protective of his scores and then I heard I'm like man he's gonna go after these people and they're like oh score by Danny Elfman <laughs> nice. and so he was actually one of the people that wrote I'm the Grinch with Tyler the Creator 
So yeah, I don't even think that's um. Let me look through here really quick. It doesn't look like Pharrell Williams did anything with the soundtrack, which I thought was interesting, considering the fact that he's obviously a very talented musician. He did a lot of the soundtrack work for Despicable Me and The Minions, which I think is the same company yeah. that did The Grinch. You can kind of tell, like, animation-wise, the kind of... Yeah, it's, I think it's the same production company. That makes sense. So, yeah, just just there for his, vo- for his uh, speaking voice this time. <laughs> he does have a great voice. I'd listen to him narrate anything. Even though I had no idea it was him. <laughs> Whoever that is has a wonderful voice. All right, and that leads us to our final segment that we call Reboot Wishlist, where we talk about any ideas for reboots or sequels that we're dying for and maybe we hope you're dying for. As you wish. So this week I got one... Um, it's, a, it's an older comic book movie. I actually didn't even really realize that it's been 20 years since the first one came out. And it's uh, it's Blade, the Wesley Snipes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the first, like, Marvel movies that they uh, made that did, re- did did quite well. That first movie is really good. Like, it's a yeah, really good movie. It's, it's well done. And the second one is quite good. The second one directed by Guillermo del Toro, actually. I don't think I realized that. No yeah. I'm kidding. Um, third one, third one, not so good. <laughs> was that, did that, was Ryan Reynolds in that one or no? Yeah, Ryan Reynolds that? playing some kind of weird vampire hunter slash crappy Wade Wilson in that one as well. <laughs> it's uh, really kind of his thing. Uh, he just, he just is Wade Wilson. That's, he was born to play that character. I guess there's worse things to be. Yeah. So, but it was, you know, kind of, a, I think he had two swords and everything like that too. It was very similar. <laughs> He's really been pushing for this Deadpool role for a long time. For a very long time, since uh, <laughs> since the early days of Marvel uh, films. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed that series of movies, and it's, it's a cool character that I think they could easily bring into the fold. Honestly, even for TV purposes, but actually Netflix and Marvel are canceling all their shows. Yeah, so. um, but I, w- I would love to see a reboot of that. I mean, since I haven't seen them recently, but... Wesley Snipes probably could still play Blade. He's probably yeah, that's a good point. In still good shape, but that was twenty years ago. I can't believe that was twenty years ago. But uh, I would love to see a, a new take on that. There was a TV series at some point, but I never watched that. Oh, that's right, huh? I forget what channel that was on. Yeah, I can't remember either. I never watched any of it either. But the uh, I can't remember who was in it. We're bad podcasters about movies. Well, that was a TV show, though. Yeah, that's us. true. Good point. Thank you. Yes. Well done. Saved it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that for me. That that's this week. I'd love to. I'd love to see a reboot of that. Cool, I'd watch that. Yeah, I say. I still remember that opening scene where they had like they're in the club and they've got that like uh, like that massive crazy dance yeah, party like going thing like and behind then, a butcher. Yeah, yeah. And all the blood comes in slaughterhouse. Yeah, Ugh. Stephen Dorff. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, my God. One of his coolest roles. He was really cool in that movie. He was cool back then, yeah. That was good stuff. I would absolutely watch a movie rebooting that one. What about you? You got anything for uh, the wish list this time? You know, I was actually looking through my movie collection because I keep having a hard time thinking up stuff for this segment. And then I thought to myself, why don't you just look through movies that you like and see if you can come up with something you know, right in front of your face and it dawned on me almost instantly I was looking at my uh, DVD collection and I think my pick for this week would be Darkman oh very nice 
Old School again, scored by Danny Elfman, <laughs> <laughs> uh, directed by Sam Raimi, uh, starring Liam Neeson. And the first movie I thought was really well done. The effects look very dated, especially a lot of the blue screen stuff. Um, I still think, you know, the plot is fascinating. You know, the idea of a kind of dark, gritty superhero that can wear anybody's face. I don't know how he pulls off the, their voices, but that's, you know, suspension of disbelief. Um, but I thought the movie itself was well made. I really endured it. Uh, Frances McDermott, I think, maybe played his girlfriend, too. So I think she that huh. may have been an earlier totally movie. Don't I love Dark Man. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's um, really, I mean, I haven't seen it forever, but I, I loved that a lot when it came out. So I think that I think that it's ripe for a new version, just because, like I said, a lot of the effects are dated, um, <laughs> and also there are two sequels to Dark Man, True. which are really bad. Like I bought Dark Man on DVD, and it was cheaper to get the DVD set with the two sequels with than it was sequels. to just get the individual first one. So I bought all of them, and they're so bad. It's like. One of them is called Die, Dark Man, Die. <laughs> and they kept reusing. There's like six scenes from the first one they just keep reusing in nice. the sequels. <laughs> Gotta save money somewhere. Oh, it's awful. It's so awful. They're who really... played Dark Man in the sequels? Oh, what the hell is his name? Uh, the guy who played the Scorpion King. What was his name? Not uh, not Dwayne Johnson, but the other guy. Um, or he was in, maybe he was in The Mummy. Oh. God. Oh, was he the mummy? That guy, Arnold um, Vosloo. Yeah, Arnold yeah, yeah, Arnold yeah. Vosloo. Yeah, oh. he played. He, Did he played both sequels. Yeah, he played both of them, and it was just so bad. And I think the only consistency was. Um, he likes having his face wrapped up in, <laughs> <laughs> in rolls. It was just he was so bad. He was so terrible. And the only uh, the consistent character was um, Durant was what's his name? Uh, the guy from Elia Law. Right, Durant uh, was in uh, it. In both of them, I think. Even Kim though Jay. I think he died in the first one, they brought him back for the second two and. Oh, so they were so bad, and so it was just—it was such a great character, and it was, you know, a great cult movie, and I think that they would do well to bring it back, and it would be interesting to see a fresh take on it with new effects. I mean, you know, yeah, Liam Neeson is apparently kicking ass more than he did, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and like Taken, and he did—he did that, and then he <laughs> he did a bunch of you know normal quote unquote movies. And like, yeah, like his last five or six movies, well, you know, three of them were Takens, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of, a lot of action lately. What's Sam Raimi doing? They should, has there ever been a reboot with the same director and star as the original movie? Oh, that's a good question. That'd be, that'd be awesome to do. Well, from a viewer's that's true, yeah. standpoint, I don't, I don't know how they would feel. feel. <laughs> I would love to see that. I'd, I would check that out. Yeah, that's a good idea. Anybody who's listening, if you have any connection to Sam Raimi or Liam Neeson, get on this. Talk to them. <laughs> I'll be down for that. There you go. All right. I guess that does it for this episode of Movies Never Say Die. I'm Matthew Grant. And I'm Justin St. Ange. Uh, just remember, if you ever want to get in touch with us for any reason, for podcasts or movie reasons, or just if you want to chat, I guess. So. We'd love to hear some feedback from you. Uh, if you want to make any suggestions for movie reboots, We'd love to hear it. You can email us at moviesneversaydie at gmail. And you can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at moviesneversaydie. For any of you out there who uh, can hear anything different in our episode this week, we, uh, we're actually recording this in the same room, in the same city for the first time. That's true. Justin and I are usually long-distance podcasters. I am in Connecticut. Justin is down in the Washington, D.C. area. And I have rehearsal for a show I'm doing in January, and uh, it made sense to go 
see my friend and connect and actually have a conversation in person, which was a lot of fun. This was cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, made it slightly easier to record a podcast <laughs> when we're both in the same location, but, uh, it was fun. I think so. I think we should do it again sometime. We should meet in the middle somewhere. We'll go, we'll just start seeing movies together in Philadelphia or <laughs> Baltimore. Baltimore, right. That's not quite in the middle, but yeah, I, no, I still have a longer drive, but I would whatever. do that. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, stay tuned to see how many more episodes uh, throughout the course of this show we end up doing in the same location. And let us know if it sounded better. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, give us some feedback. Let us know how the audio sounds. And um, I guess I guess it makes sense to say happy holidays to people. This technically is our holiday episode. We are looking at a holiday-based movie. Whatever holiday you're celebrating, we'll hope you had a happy one. If you're not celebrating a holiday, I hope you enjoyed your... Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever day it is. Yeah, or, or whenever we drop this. Uh, That's true. It could be Or whenever you listen to it, I guess. Yeah. That's true. You could be listening to this in June and we could sound and like idiots. Yeah. It's, uh, so. Enjoy your summer solstice. <laughs> Hopefully it's warmer than it is now. Oh, it's crazy. Less rainy. So that'll do it for us. I'm Justin Salange. And I'm Matthew Grant. See you next time. I mean, if you see a cool looking guy, strike up a conversation and ask him on a mandate. A what? A mandate. Okay, you know what I mean? No. By that I mean casual lunch or after work drinks, okay? No dinner and no movies. You're not taking these boys to see The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, God, I love that movie. I'm Batman. I freeze. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I never had to say I'm Batman. I showed up. People knew I was Batman. You like movies? Hundreds of movies. 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 Never say die!